Hey, what's going on? You know who it is. It's Bruce Jordan, Michael Jordan Hotel. And this one is going to be sponsored by BestHotelBooks.com. We have a hotel financial legend in the house. David, what's going on, man? Hey, Bruce. How are you? How's the... Uh, pretty good. Yeah. It's nice to know that you know, after your career in basketball, you were able to get into hotels and that um, things have worked out for you. So there's hope, <laughs> there's hope for all of us, you know? For sure, for sure. I you wonder, know, a lot of people don't know what they should do uh, after after they finish school and stuff like that. So, yeah. How, how did you get into this business? You know, I grew up in a small town in Atlantic Canada, a summer resort town in New Brunswick, right on the, right where Maine meets New Brunswick. Mm-hmm. Um, if anybody's up on their geography, um, and I basically grew up in the shadow of this hotel, quite literally. I walked by it going to school every day as a kid, and it was a big, you know, resort. It was quite um, lovely, still is. And one thing led to another, and I ended up getting a job um, after high school there. And then I ended up um, going to hotel school in the same building. Um, the local wow. community college uh, had a deal with the uh, the owners of the hotel. And in the winter, the hotel's closed. So they ran a school there for a few years, and I was one of the first graduates. So that's how I got into hotels. And then that hotel was run by uh, a company called Canadian Pacific. And they later around the, around 2000 or just a bit before became Fairmont hotels. They bought Fairmont hotels and rebranded all the Canadian Pacific hotels, Fairmont hotels. Um, and I worked for the co- same company for 31 years and I uh, worked all over North America, all over Canada, especially, but also in the States and, you know, one day, about 10 years into my career, I was kind of in a middle management job, you might say. And someone came along and said, hey, things aren't going so well with the hotel and the economy and we're going to be doing layoffs. But uh, there's a job in accounting if you want it. And I'm like, what are you talking about accounting? Come on, give me a break. <laughs> but I talked to a, a good friend of mine who was a bit older and that I had a lot of respect for. And he said, you know, that's a great opportunity for you, David. Um and he kind of explained why, and I thought, well, what's he been smoking? But um, I listened to him, believe it or not. Um, and a couple of years later, I got promoted to assistant controller. A couple of years after that, I was a controller. And uh, it really um, fit well with my personality and my experience. It's not that I'm the greatest um, accounting mind in the world by any means. I'm not even a real accountant, but... Uh, I know operations, so I know what operational people are going through um, and being the financial person and being able to relate to what they're up to. I think it was was a big advantage for me um, in my ability to grow my career and uh, move to different positions. So that's kind of how it happened. And, uh, you know, a few years before I left Fairmont, um, I created a workshop, which wasn't my idea either. Somebody else came along and said, you know, you should create this workshop and educate our leaders. And I'm like, that's nonsense. I don't have time to do that. I'm not a teacher. Um, But they kind of insisted and um, they were my boss. So that helped. And but the day I delivered the first workshop, I knew I was onto something because, you know, in the in the hotel, when most department managers 
see me coming, they head in the other direction because they know I want something. I want their invoices or I want their commentary or I need their budget submission. I need their forecast. I need their accruals. You know what it's like. Um, But this workshop changed everything because now um, all of a sudden I've got a bunch of leaders that are really engaged with the numbers because they realize that this is the ticket to the executive office for their career. They need to know their numbers. And hey, David can teach us a lot about what's going on with these things. And they're not so mysterious. They're not so scary if we explain them in a group of people. And um, we all want to make a difference in the world. So showing someone their numbers make a difference is a big connector. Um, And then finally, it's all about my approach. So for the perhaps 15 or 20 years before that, My approach was all wrong because I was sending out memos and I was sending out, you know, um, emails about schedules. And it was always about feed me, give me the numbers, give me what I need. Um, But it wasn't until I served those leaders with that workshop that they were then in turn more than willing to serve me back by providing me their forecasts on time and getting me their accruals and writing their commentaries and all the things that as a controller director of finance I need in order to do the job well. I can't sit in my office and dream up what's going to happen next month in the sales department. It doesn't work that way. Or it doesn't work well that way. You know, a lot of people try and do it that way. They try and do all these things in camera, but um, there's a big disconnect when we do that in the hotel. And everybody needs to be on the same page when it comes to the numbers. Um, And most hotels, that's, you know, so far from the case um so that's how i got into accounting bruce now what what inspired you to be an author because you know doing something and then writing it put it in writing is like two different things yeah well as part of the effort to grow my business as the hotel financial coach i hired a lady um back in 20 2015 to do a coaching program and um her claim to fame was she was the expert of experts. Her name is Debbie Allen. She's a great lady anyways. She's still around. She helps people like me and you, but she created a brand for me and she created a website and she helped me with images and taglines and slideshows and all that kind of fun stuff. But one of the things she said was in order to develop your funnel, David, we're going to need, um, Call it the seven secrets. And she goes, you can fill in the rest. Seven seven secrets to creating a financially engaged leadership team is what I came up with. And I had to write this guidebook um, to give away on my website to get people's email addresses so that I could then send them something, I guess, was the idea. I had no idea what I was going to send them at that point. I just kind of followed her directions. But what I realized by writing this blog is that, uh, or blog, by writing this um, guidebook was that uh, I had a voice inside of me that, I kind of really didn't know was there and it was a voice about what does all this stuff mean that we do and how can we do it better? And um, there's a lot of fear and confusion around the numbers. Numbers have a lot of power in our society. Um, You know, a lot of hotels don't even share their numbers with their leaders. So I, I wanted to have something to say about that because everybody knows that the numbers are the key to your career. If you don't know your numbers, you're limited in hospitality. You're not going to get to the executive office. Um, If you are, you're not going to stay there very long because the owner wants to talk about the results, not about guest service, not about colleague engagement. Um, They're not plugged into that stuff. They're plugged into the numbers. How much money am I going to make next month, next quarter? How are we going to make more money, David? Um, That's what they want to know. And you got to be able to speak their language and, uh, they need to be fed. So if you want to get ahead in hospitality, 
know your numbers. And that's not just me that says that. So I thought, well, this is a great uh, fabric for a business. And I couldn't really find anybody else that was doing what I had dreamed to do, which was create, you know, uh, a financial process that teaches leaders about their numbers. And it's, it's, I would say it's not accounting that I do. It's business thinking. You know, we have accountants to, to do month end to pay the taxes, to balance the books, to do the bank recs. They don't want you touching that stuff. That's that's dynamite. That'll blow up in your face. Uh, but they do want you to be able to manage your payroll and expenses and know, you know, if we're making, uh, if we're on track to make our revenues, what does that look like? And how can we communicate that? And if we're not, then what do we need to do? Um, how can we adjust our operation uh, to fit the current um occupancy and rate and revpar and it's always going up and always going down and we need to be able to adjust and that's a difficult thing for a lot of people in our business to do because um they don't see it in quite a linear kind of way where you know if i'm at 60 percent, what should i be doing compared to 72 well you should be doing a lot of things differently as you know but a lot of operational people they don't see it that way they think well I should be here providing the service and and having all of the facilities open and and doing all the things I would normally do. So what's the big deal? Well, yeah. in, in as you know, in the business, every every nickel counts and every hour counts and every you know um, it all adds up. So having a group of managers in your hotel that all can manage their departmental affairs more efficiently—that's the sum of a great hotel, right? Um, no matter what we're talking about, service, engagement, or the money, we, we have to have everybody engaged. We have to have everybody uh, rowing in the same direction. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, you, now you're off. The, now, you're, now you have two books, okay? Yeah. What inspired you to write The Prosperous Hoteller? You know, I when I finished that guidebook with um, with Debbie and um, I thought it was actually pretty, it was pretty good. It, it made a, made a decent story out of how do you create that team inside of your hotel? What do you need to do? What do you need to avoid? Um, and then, you know, that took a, I remember sitting down in the panhandle in San Francisco on my lawn chair with a cold beer a couple of afternoons at three or four o'clock writing that. And I thought, you know, this is kind of fun because I can, I can do this. And then I just sort of, Thought, well, I'm going to try and get one of the chapters of that. It had seven secrets, so there were seven chapters. I'm going to try and get one of those published, you know, in all these hotel rags. So I think I had just been to to high tech. And one of the things I did on this visit to high tech is I grabbed every magazine I could find just so that I could rip the page out that says the publisher and the editor. And so I started emailing them all my stories. And, you know, it wasn't long until I got my first one published. I thought, well, there we go. I'm published. That's great. But then I kind of got bit by that. Um, and Why we're now you got bit by that. Well, um, it feels good to get your stuff published, get your name on the internet, you know, get your name on that magazine cover, um, get your name on that, you know, weekly email blast, whatever it is. And I started doing this on a, you know, basically Monday to Friday, I would get up. You know, before my wife, uh, in these days, my kids are gone, but uh, um, I get up at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning and uh, I'd write for an hour. I'd write a blog. And, you know, that was 2016, let's say. So this is almost seven years later. And I've published over 300 weeks of continuous blogs. I've never missed one. 
And uh, either I either I publish a, a written blog or I also publish videos, which I'm I'm kind of repurposing what's in some of my blogs into a short video, so people don't have to read a 10 minute article; they can watch a 90 second video and get the same idea. Um, and as you know, probably by looking at my book, that's a feature of my book. I have QR codes, and I link to a lot of these videos to help emphasize what the chapter lesson was all about. But you know, I really did get. A bit by the writing bug, um, and I after a short period of time, I thought, well, I can put it, these together into a, some kind of a logical format and create a book, which is what I did. And um, through a coaching program that I had taken, not Debbie's program, but another guy by the name of Steve Chandler, who's a very famous coach. Um, he he coaches coaches like me around the business of coaching, not the method of coaching, but the business, because it's a business and you need to know what to do and what not to do. But uh, I was in his school for, um, it's like a one-year school. You meet three different times for a long weekend, basically. But at these meetings were a bunch of people, but uh, on his support team, but one of the uh, people that were there was his publisher. Um, this guy by the name of Maurice Bassett and he publishes a lot of books and he publishes all of Steve's books and I just said to him hey I've got a, a hotel manuscript would you be interested in taking a look at it and he's like hotel business I don't know well send it to me basically so I sent it to him and then he had his one of his editors look at it um, first thing I learned is the publisher never looks at your book he sends it to his editor for the editor to tell you what they think and the editor basically said, there's no book here. Um, you know, what? thanks, but no thanks. Um, we can't work with this. Why don't you rewrite it or something like that? And I was like, kind of like, you know, guys. <laughs> Anyways, um, one thing led to another. And my grade three teacher, Mrs. Beasley, um, she sends me a note because she saw one of my blogs on Facebook or something like that. And she's basically sent a note saying, Oh, David, it was, it was so nice to see your blog. It's so cute. Do you remember me? I used to be your teacher. I remember when you used to do this. And of course I remember you, Mrs. Beasley. Well, her name isn't Mrs. Beasley anymore or whatever. It's Mrs. Williamson. And uh, she's like 80 years old. Anyways, um, she offers to read my book and, and give me her thoughts. And she goes, well, but you're going to have to mail it to me. Um, I was living in California at the time. She was in Canada. So I put it in an envelope with, with $40 so she could mail it back to me because it's expensive to mail stuff between Canada and the U.S. And about three months later, I got it back. And it was all dog-eared and marked up. And she put a big cover letter on it, basically said, I have no idea who this book is for, David. You don't have an audience. you got to define who your audience is. And she told me a bunch of other things, but that was the one thing that stuck with me. So with that and with Maurice's feedback, like, you know, rewrite it. I rewrote it. And um, so what thing audience do you another? feel like you captured in this particular book? Pardon me? What audience do you feel like you captured in this particular book? Well, really, there's two audiences. One is, is the operational leader who's upwardly mobile, who is great with their guests and great at, with the hotel team and, and is a great operator. But they're ready for the big leagues, but they are not comfortable with their numbers. They don't know their numbers. They don't know how to read a P&L. They don't know how to read the balance sheet. They don't know how to do their budgets and forecasts. They have no training. That's the number one audience. The number two audience is the senior leadership team, the GM, the director of finance, 
that need to lead their people around the numbers. They need a process to follow. Um, and one doesn't really clearly exist. Um, and if we make it too much about what accounting needs, um, it's not going to work. We've got to combine the operational side of things so that uh, um, the information is coming from the operation, not from the accounting department. Um, everything's kind of backwards in that world in most places. So, you know, that's the other audience is to help them understand how they can communicate and lead more effectively around the numbers so that their hotel is less stressful for people and, and more predictable and more profitable. So it's really those two audiences. But I rewrote the book um, under her guise. And again, I sent it to Maurice. And it took about a year and a half. Now, at this point, I'm probably three and a half, four years into this manuscript. I've rewritten it now for the second time. We've written it for the second time. And he accepted it. He said, this is great. Uh, we're going to publish your book, David. And then he sent me a contract. And uh, he's, a, he's like a full-blown regular publisher, right? Um, but he sent me that contract, and I signed it and sent it back to him on the 10th of March, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> so we know what happened after that. The whole world just shut down, right? So my go. book project shut down for two years. And it wasn't until early last year, early 22, that we revived it. And I started working very much uh, in depth with uh, another one of his editors. And through that process, it was so frustrating. And I was still nowhere near comfortable, com uh, confident that the format for the book was the right one. So I rewrote it a third time and I basically, but I put a, put it together, basically a six part because there's six sections in the book kind of laid it out in that kind of a format, kind of a, you know, beginning, middle and end kind of things, but just putting different groups of, of ideas and thoughts and processes and, and uh, leadership material into different sections and I got rid of a lot of chapters and I, because I write every week, I'd had written some really good stuff, some stuff that should be in the book that kind of replaced some of the earlier stuff. And um, then we finished editing it. And then my publisher wanted to hire a sketch artist to do some sketches, which was great. I think it really adds a lot of value to the book, those sketches. Yeah, I love the sketches. Yep. And then um, I had the idea for the QR codes because I've been producing videos for about three years now. Um, I've got all kinds of videos and, and a lot of the videos are just, you know, they dovetail the chapter lessons, you know, precisely. So they're a really good feature. And then um, I started at the beginning of this year, 23, collecting endorsements for the book. And I hounded a lot of people in our industry. I'm surprised I didn't get hold of you to hound you for an endorsement, but I even got Chip Conley to endorse my book, which I've never even met Chip Conley, but my daughter has, and she worked at Airbnb for a while, and she introduced him to me over the phone one day, and I had a, a chat with him early on in my solo career, and um, you know, he gave me some good encouragement, but I don't really know the man, but I did reach out to him in January, and he agreed to write an endorsement for my book, which I thought was great, and... I got uh, a really good friend of mine who uh, I just um, she just retired, but she was the CEO for a core for North and South America. She wrote the foreword for me, Heather McCrory, um, someone I have a tremendous amount of respect for, and someone who really knows what it is she's looking for in her GMs and her people that she wants to be GMs when it comes to the numbers. You know, 
I, I kind of stole that idea from her. The number one thing you need to have a great uh, hotel career is you need to know your numbers. If you want to right. be uh, a senior leader, if you want to, you know, if you want to hang around the hotel and be um, the world's greatest, you know, whatever, whatever manager, you can certainly do that. But adding the numbers onto it then gets you to the next level um, and beyond. Um, but I collected, you know, probably two dozen endorsements, which, you know, did take a while. And I thank all the people profusely that provided them. I can be a bit of a pest when it comes to this stuff, you know, but um, they were great because it really showed me um, because I sent them all copies of the book to read. Um, And I know most of them read it or read a good part of it. it really showed me that they liked the book. They were like, wow, David, this is amazing. This is exactly what our industry needs. And all of these, this stuff really fit into making the book great. Um, and if I'd gotten it published way back when I first submitted it to Maurice or even just before COVID happened, I don't think the book would have been anywhere near as good as it is today. Um, it took six years from the time I put the first manuscript together to the time it was printed, almost to the day. So um, good things come to those who wait, I guess. But uh, the book's been well-received. It's selling well. And, um, you know, getting some fantastic comments and feedback. And um, I've got uh, over 40 five-star reviews on Amazon now, which is that's what you need to really get the book to hum is those five-star reviews. Amazon controls the book world in so many respects. So, um Anyways, that's kind of the story around the book and and who it's for. And, uh, you know, writing it's a big accomplishment for me, for sure. Uh, You know, I make no bones about this in the in the in the book. I was never a great student. Um, I was much more interested in motorcycles and girls and hockey and, you know, doing the things that teenagers are supposed to be doing when they're not studying. Um, But um, it showed me that, you know, I could do, as I said in there, you know, my dad always used to say to me, David, you can do anything you want as long as you're willing to work for it in this world. Um, and it really showed me that, that if if you're willing to work for something like a book that you believe in, that you think is, is needed, um, you just have to stay in action. You just have to stick with it no matter what people say no matter how many rejection letters you get from other people and, and all that stuff. But, you know, I had some help along the way. I even had, uh, um, I used to listen to these blogs uh, by another coach and they're basically Cole's notes version of self-help books, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were a great sense of kind of, Stability for me, especially early in my solo career, because once you leave a, a job for 31 years, everything around you is gone. All of your friends, all of the infrastructure, all of the support, all of the um, all of the everything that you've enjoyed and not really realized for the last 31 years is gone in an instant. So you're kind of alone. Um, but these these um, it's, it's even hard trying to like. Get stay at a job for thirty one years, okay? Like you can't. Oh my God! Yeah, you can, you can barely stay at a job for thirty one year, years nowadays. Yeah, you know? I mean, who does that, right? <laughs> Especially with the same employer. <laughs> Anyways, but one one blog that I listened to, it just set me my mind um, on fire, was by Stephen King, and it's a, a book that he wrote. It's not a horror book. It's called On Writing, 
And it's about his experience with writing. And basically what he says is that writing is just a chore and anybody can do it, but you got to be willing to do it. You got to be willing to get up and put pen to paper and just produce, produce, produce. And if you can do that, um, that's how I've become super famous as Stephen King. And that's what you can do too. And I just thought, well, that's, that's just amazing. Like that's kind of what I've been doing. So I'm just going to stay, stick, stay, stay with it, stay at it. Um, and some days I write some great stuff and other days it's total crap, but you never know when you get up in the morning, what, what you're going to create. And, um, the other thing about writing, especially first thing in the morning, it's like going to the gym or it's like going for a run. You feel great when you're done because you've accomplished something, you know, it's already 6am. Um, and then the rest of your day is usually so much better than if you don't take that creative time in the morning to produce something. If you're busy, you know, doing your work work or getting something organized for a client, it's not the same as, as creating something, as writing something. So that was really the fuel for me to just go on a, a tear, a war path on writing these blogs. And I said to myself, you know, I want to do this. I was, I was 50 when I left my job. I want to do this for the next 25 years. So, you know, 25 times 50, that's like um, 1,250 blogs. I'm, I'm almost halfway there. So, um, you know, if my health hangs in there and if all things go according to plan, um, I want to continue producing a weekly blog or video um, until I'm 75. So, you know, um, I'm almost halfway there. Yeah, you got about 100 years left to go. <laughs> <laughs> but at some point, I will stop. But um, I'm getting, you know, more and more subscribers all the time. Um, I think there's a need in our industry to put a little polish and horsepower behind the financial part of things. You know, the financial part usually gets kind of the 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 um, dirty stick, if you like. Um, yeah. Nobody wants to talk about the numbers. Nobody wants to do the the heavy lifting. Um, accounting kind of gets a bad rap for a bunch of, you know, societal re reasons that really don't make any sense, but that's just the way it is. Um, and I'm okay with all that because, hey, I love it. So who cares? <laughs> I think accounting is number two. HR has to be number one. Like nobody wants to talk to HR. <laughs> no. <laughs> Touchy feely stuff and rules and regulations and uh, yeah. Anyways, Listen, I, think, you know, I, I think you made one big mistake. I think this this book should have only out. one. <laughs> yeah, just one. This book should have came out in in, in twenty twenty, and uh, and the title should have been how your hotel how your hotel can survive COVID. <laughs> yeah. Well. If you would have sold a hundred thousand copies in a week. <laughs> yeah. Well. You know, so many things about COVID are kind of lessons, right? And obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty. And you know, knowing what now, what we didn't know then. Um, but yeah, absolutely. And you know, my I have great plans in the sense that uh, all those blogs that I've written, I've got enough material for three more books already. Um, and one will be the. The Prosperous Hotelier 2, you know, like Beverly Hills Cop 2, you know, The Prosperous Hotelier 2. But then I want to do a, a book on leadership short stories because I write a lot of short stories that are really not about finance. It's more about leadership. Uh, but they all have something to do with the hotel business. All have something to do with something I've experienced. Um, 
and they all have a lesson included with them. And then the fourth book I want to write <clears throat> is, and there's a there's a format for this kind of book, but basically it's a self-help novel. So they have characters, uh, there's a story, but it's really about self-help. It's about how to solve a, a systemic problem in the hotel business. Um, and it's basically the same thing that's in the Prosperous Hotel. It's just going to be written in a different format. So I'm really excited about that. And um, I've written about half of that, but the other two books are basically already written. Um, I just need to be successful enough with the Prosperous Hotelier to have my publisher um, want to reinvest and, and publish more. So we'll see. Okay. Well, listen, thank you for being on the show. That's our time. It looks like uh, Zoom is calling us. Yeah. <laughs> time flies when you're having fun. I love talking about the hotel business and chatting with you about, uh, you know, the financial side of things in the book, obviously. But what's going on in your world? Tell me what you're up to these days. Man, I... Uh... We we have the, uh, the 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 website up for our we have our own hotel uh, website now for books. Yeah, so, like all of the best of the best books. Your book is of course in our top five. You know, so right on. Definitely go get this book at uh, besthotelbooks.com. And uh, my book could be be coming out soon. We got pre sale going on in a couple of weeks, and it should be dropping like sometime in October, October fifteenth, called the Hotel Revenue Bible. Excellent. Uh, Congratulations yeah, on that. I can't wait for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, I know what it's like to get one of these books out. It's like, there's so many last minute details, so many things you need to do. Um, I just about lost my mind uh, this spring getting, trying to get it finished. Um, it was just so much, so much back and forth too with your editor and even some of these editing tools and things you use. It's just like, okay, well, didn't we just change this last week? I'm getting, I'm going crazy here. But um Anyways, it's done now, and yeah, it was well worth it. Absolutely, totally. absolutely. Yeah. All right, David, you know what to do, everybody. Make sure you go out and get this book. This book is amazing. It's going to change your career, and that's our goal, to get you to the next level. You got to level up. All right. Level up to the Prosperous Hotelier. For sure. Like I said, this book's in our top five in our bookstore, so... Get out there and go grab it. And like every hotel person tells you, leave a review. Hey, what's going on? You know who it is. It is Bruce Jordan, Michael Journal Hotels. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. Make sure you go out and get this book, The Prosperous Hoteller. It is available on besthotelbooks.com where we have the best books for the best hotelers just for you. And we'll be talking to you soon.